We'd invite you to be a part of our Bible study today. There's an outline in your program. I'd encourage you to take that and follow along with us today. I wonder, did anybody get up this morning and think, this may be the day that Jesus returns? If you thought that this morning before you came to church, hold up your hand, would you? Did anybody think that? Well, you're the very audience I need to talk to. Because I want to share with you the story that's in the Bible about Noah and Lot and the end of the world. Now, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 22. And uh, it's kind of a long passage. We're going to kind of break that up into two portions and look at that today. Noah and Lot and the end of the world. Now, you know, you hear sometimes people talking about the end of the world and what's going to happen. But let me just tell you that the greatest source of information we have is the Bible, the Word of God. And so if you really want to know what's going to happen, then that's the place you need to check. Well, begin with me, if you will, Luke chapter 17. And I want us to kind of get a little overview of verses 22 through 25 together. Beginning in verse 22, Then He, that is Jesus, said to His disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Jesus said, you know, right now we're together and you are being able to talk with me, ask questions and all, but there's a day coming, He said, when I'm not going to be around here. And Jesus was talking about His ascension when He would leave this earth. It made me think about uh, my mother. My mother and dad lived together till my mother was just uh, deeply involved with uh, Alzheimer's or dementia or something, and she went to live with my sister who lives in Merkel just outside of Abilene. And one day I was able to go by and see her, and uh, as we visited together, I didn't know exactly how far that dementia had uh, gone, so I said, uh, Mother, do you know who I am? She said, well, of course I do. You're Dickie Bacon Sprout Marcera. I thought, well, that is something. That was, when I was a little kid, she used to call me Bacon Sprout. I have no idea what that meant, but uh, that's what she did. And uh, I thought, well, that's right. But uh, that was the last time I got to see her. She passed away not long after that. She had uh, something that uh, hit her, maybe in her kidneys or somewhere, and the last time I got to see her. Jesus said, I want to tell you, there's going to be a day that, that you'll miss me and you wish you could see me, but you're not going to be able to do so. Then in verse 23, he said, Men will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. Jesus said, you're going to hear some rumors about me being in this place or that place, but hey, listen, don't, don't go in for all that. I want to tell you, that's just rumors that somebody starts, and that is not true. Then in verse 24, he says concerning his life, For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and the lights up from the sky from one end to the other. Jesus says the day of his return is going to be like that. He said it's going to be like the lightning that flashes in the sky. And when the lightning flashes in the sky, I mean, everybody is able to see it. It doesn't matter where you are or your age or what your uh, financial situation may be. When the lightning flashes, everybody is able to see it. And Jesus says, when it comes that day and I return, 
That's the way it's going to be. Everyone will see it and know it. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says, And every eye shall see Him, even those who pierced Him. Every eye will see Jesus when He returns. And then over in the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and 11, we find that Paul said, And every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when Jesus Christ returns, it's going to be something that everybody is aware of, that everybody all over the world is going to see, and they'll know this really is the Lord. And then in verse 25, Jesus finished off by saying, But first, He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Jesus said, I know what's coming, and what's coming is the cross. And what's going to happen is that I'm going to die, be rejected by this generation, return to the Father, and then one day I'm going to come back and be here with you. So, Jesus said, I want you to know kind of what's going on. And then picking up the story, if we will, in verse 26 and 27, he wrote these words. He had these words. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also when it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage to the day that Noah entered in the ark, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. He said, I want to tell you, the day I come, the day I return, it's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. And how was it in the days of Noah? He said, well, it's like this. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage up to the very day that I entered into, they entered into the ark. That's the way it's going to be. And it's going to be just kind of a uh, common thing that goes on. And then beginning in verse 28 and 29, he added these words concerning what was like in the days of Lot. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. He said, I want to tell you, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. It's going to be like it was in the days of Lot. And as he talked about this, he said people were buying. Now, if you were buy buying something, what were you thinking? Well, you think I'm going to be able to use it. And people, he says, not only were buying, but they were selling. Ah, they were getting in some money thinking, you know, I'm going to have money here to do this or that with. And he said, and people were planting. Now, when you're planting a crop, what do you think? You think, well, there's going to be a harvest in one of these days, and there's going to be more that's going to follow. And he said, you were building. What were you doing if you were building? You think, well, this is something I'm going to live in or something I'm going to use. And you know, things are going to just go on like they have always been. Now, if you'll notice those two passages, one thing's very funny. He said in the days of Noah, people were marrying and giving and marrying. But in the days of Lot, there was not any mention of marrying or giving in marriage. And I think the reason for that is the kind of situation in which Lot lived. That is, you may remember that he lived in the city of Sodom, which we later have the sin of sodomy. And Sodom was a situation where it was overrun with people who were living a homosexual lifestyle. We find that uh, two angels came and they looked like men. 
And uh, the men, uh, when they saw them, they wanted to have sex with them. But you know, there is not anything in the Bible about God ever sanctioning a homosexual marriage. Because that was not what God said marriage to be. It was to be between a man and a woman. Then in verse 30 he says, It will be just like this in the day that the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed. Everything's going to be going on just like it was, natural. You'll not be thinking about it because it's going to be just common sense as we go along. Now, what I want to show you is there are five parallels that are given from this passage about the final judgment and about the return of the Lord. First of all, there's going to be casual behavior before the final judgment. The Bible says that in Noah's day, people were going on with life as usual until Noah entered the ark. They were married, they were giving in marriage, and they were having a big time thinking everything is okay until that very day that God went, took them into the ark. We find the situation much like Lot, buying, selling, planning, building. But the Lord said it's going to be something that will come like a thief in the night. Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1-4, through 4, Paul said, when you think about the coming of the Lord, you think about this. It will be like a thief in the night. Have you ever had a thief come to your house? Uh, only one time do I know we ever had a thief. Uh, I had parked my car out of the driveway, did not put it in the garage that night, and it was kind of a stormy night. And the next morning when I woke up, somebody had broken into our car. Uh, I didn't have anything of real value, but they broke out the window. They went through the glove compartment and uh, everything, found nothing, and they left. Now, if I had known that night that that thief's going to come, I would have been there with my gun. And I want to assure you, when he broke my window, he would have had something to deal with, like buckshot in the rear or somewhere else. Because, I mean, I wouldn't like that. And Jesus said, you know, that thief, you don't know he's coming. If he did, you would be aware of it, and you'd make some plans. But he says, the coming of Jesus is going to be like a thief in the night. Number two, the second thing is, worldliness and wickedness is going to be prevailing. Here uh, in Noah's day, in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, it says this, And the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. What does that remind you of? Full of violence. I guess the thing that came to my mind was what took place in Las Vegas. Here is a man killing people he doesn't even know. He doesn't have anything against them. He's not uh, mad at them for anything they said or did. And here he is murdering people violently. And what a terrible thing it was. Because that's exactly the way it was in Noah's day. And as it was in Noah's day, so it's going to be in the day the Lord returns. And then secondly, that's the way it was in Lot's day. You remember that story back in uh, Genesis 18? When God revealed to Abraham that he was going to destroy the city of Sodom. And uh, Abraham began, he said, God, if I could find 50 righteous men in the city, would you not destroy it? God said, okay, if you find 50 righteous men there, I won't destroy it. 
He said, but God, what if I could find 40 men? Would you not destroy it? All right. If you could find 40 men, I wouldn't. What about if I could find 30 men? Well, okay. What about 20 men? Okay. Lord, if I could find 10 righteous men in that city, would you not destroy it? God said, okay. And you know what? He could not even find 10 righteous men in the city of Sodom. And the reason was because there was a situation that prevailed there of wickedness and violence, and God hated that, but that's what was going on in Sodom, and God was going to punish them. There are three things that really stood out, three common sins in the, both places. There was violence, and there was immorality, and there was rebellion. And here in these wicked cities, God was going to bring forth His judgment. Well, number three, I want to tell you, there was a warning that was given before the judgment. Now, did you realize how long it took Noah to build the ark? According to the best records we have in the Bible, that was a 120-year project. Now, you may think that's an awful long time, but let me tell you something about that book, that boat. That boat was 450 feet long. Now, I want you to think about that. This morning when I was here, it came a little early, I measured to see how, how big we were here. And if my measurement is anywhere close to right, from that wall to that wall, it's about 120 feet. Now, if this boat or this ship was 450 feet long, it is almost four times the length that we see here of wall to wall. Now, not only that, it was 75 feet wide. And that's about how wide this building is. And it was 45 feet high. Now, if you think about a building, usually we think about 10 foot, 10 foot, 10 foot, as we have one floor after another. And this has four and a half stories high building. Remember also, they didn't have any kind of machinery that we had. They didn't have any electric saws. They didn't have the uh, kind of equipment that you and I would think about was necessary for building. And who was it that gave the plans and who drew up exactly how all this was going to be put together? I don't know, but for 120 years, Noah preached and told the people what was coming. Uh, did you hear about the uh, third grade teacher that told her kids one day, she said, I want to tell you the story about Henny Penny. You remember the story about Henny Penny, the uh, rock or the nut fell down from the tree and hit her on the head, and Henny Penny went around telling everybody, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And the teacher says, when she went to a, a farmer and told him, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, what do you think that farmer thought? And uh, one little girl held her and said, I know. She thought, wow, a talking chicken. Uh, I don't know if that's what he thought or not, but here was Noah telling everybody about what was coming and people not even aware of the danger that they were in. You know, evidently, there were layers in the ark, and there were 
places for all kinds of animals that God helped him as he gathered this huge ship. Now, over in the days of Lot, we realize that the warning was given, and God said, I want you to get out of that city, and whatever you do, don't look back. And uh, there's an interesting verse, Genesis 19:14, when Noah, when Lot told his sons-in-laws about what God was going to do, you know what the Bible says? The sons-in-law thought he was kidding. You're kidding about that, aren't you? God really going to destroy this whole city? Come on, wise up. And you know, evidently, uh, the boys didn't make it out. But here we find that the warning was given by God about what was going to happen and what was going to take place before the judgment. There was a warning. That is, they were warned about the coming of the end. Or in the book of Second Peter, chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, the Bible says that God does not keep time the way we do. And that a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And although there will be some time between when God warns us and when He comes, He says, you and I ought to be aware of, because of the way God treats people, that we ought to be a certain kind of people. That is, people who know God, love God, serve God, and are grateful to Him for all that He has done for us. So, there was a warning given before the judgment, and there's a warning given to you and me. And that is that the Lord is going to return. And don't let the fact that it's been a, a period of time be something that tricks you or fools you. Well, number four, the fourth thing is, the final judgment is going to come upon the unrighteous people. Follow with me, if you will, there in uh, chapter 17, verses 34 and 35. And here we find this reading. I tell you that on that night, two people will be in bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Now, maybe there's a clearer explanation of what that's all about over in the book of Matthew chapter 13, verses 49 and 50. And here the Bible gives us these words. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. He said what's going to happen is that there's going to be a final judgment and a separation between the two. You know, the people had 120 years to listen to Noah, but they didn't listen to Noah and they didn't obey God. And you and I are people who have an opportunity to listen to God and to do what God wanted done. Then the Bible says also about Lot that he was a righteous man and he had a chance to call his family and tell them, but they did not listen. What a sad thing that is. Over uh, west of uh, Colorado, city Colorado, there's an unusual kind of of building. It's called the Bishop Castle. It supposedly is the largest building ever built by one man. I mean, it is huge. And you can go in and see that thing, and, uh, but it has no purpose. I mean, nobody lives there. Nobody has any kind of a shop there. 
There's not anything except this huge building that this old boy has built. And uh, what do you think people think about this guy that built that crazy building? They think, what kind of a nutcase is it who would build something like this when it has no purpose? And uh, he fights with the government, and they try to get him off the land, and he's uh, fought them, and they've sued him and everything. But everybody thinks about him. What a crazy old man he must be. And don't you know that's what they thought about Noah? Don't you know that's what people thought about Lot? Here you guys are trying to tell us about something that's going to come, and we don't really know if it has any credence at all, but we're not buying in on it. Over in the book of Jude, it says this, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. And they are an example of those who suffer the punishment of, of fire. Did you know that uh, not only were there Sodom and Gomorrah, but there were another couple of towns that uh, also are mentioned in the Bible who are a part of this. Over in Deuteronomy 29, verse 23. And these four towns were all going to go up in smoke because they did not follow after the way of God. He said these are examples of those who are going to know what it is to be punished with fire. When Lou Dale and I first got married, we lived uh, in Thermopolis, Wyoming, which was about 130 miles from Yellowstone. And we loved to go up to Yellowstone. And uh, Yellowstone used to open on May the 1st, and on May 2nd, we followed the snowplow in one day. It was great seeing that huge amount of snow and animals gathered around the uh, geysers because they needed to get a little warmth. And it was wonderful. And one time we'd gone up there, and uh, I'd taken my fishing pole, and uh, there was a long sandbar that I knew where it was, and I wanted to fish off it. Lunel went with me. She said, well, I'm just going to take a nap. And she laid out a, a little blanket she put, and I went about way up the uh, sandbar casting and fishing, and probably gone about an hour when I came back. And Lunel was lying out there on that warm sand, and she'd gone to sleep, but lo and behold, she was sunburned. I mean, she was sunburned. And uh, we had a little camping trailer, and it didn't have a heater in it, but did have a stove. But we were afraid that if we lit the stove and let it go all night, that, uh, you know, we might get asphyxiated. And so Lunell had to fight trying to sleep with those burned legs and she would put the cover over and it just couldn't stand it she'd throw it off and she'd get so cold she had to bring the back over it, it was terrible now let me tell you how much of an impression that that was over 50 years ago that took place and we still remember that i mean a burn is bad it is something terrible to deal with and you know what the lord says Sodom and, Gar Sodom and Gomorrah and the towns around them, they suffered the punishment of eternal fire. You remember that passage read over Matthew? says that when the angels come, they will separate, and those who turn away from God will be cast into the lake of fire. The most horrible thing you can imagine. Well, number five, the fifth thing I want to show you is, there's going to be a rescuing, though, of the righteous. 
You know, Noah went into the ark. And do you know who it was that closed the door to the ark? You got your Bible, Genesis chapter 7, verse 16. It was God Himself. God closed that door. And He said, you're in, Noah. Your family's in. Now the flood. But there was a time when their righteous were going to be able to be saved. And over in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 3, 20 and 21, Peter picks up on that and he says, you know, in that day, he said there were eight souls that were saved by water. He said, and that is like baptism that now saves you. Check that out in your Bible, 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. And you see what happened here with the people being saved by the water, and that simply meant that the water was what cleansed the world. And so Noah and his family were all saved because the world was cleansed by water. And you and I know that God cleanses us and washes away our sins when we're baptized into Christ. And it's not the water that does it, but it's the obedience to God and the way that God loves us as we follow after His plan. The Bible says, though, that Lot and his family were not too wise. The boys thought he was kidding. And when they got out, the Bible says that his wife turned around and looked back. And you remember what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. You know, there are scoffers today who will deny the coming of Christ and deny the fact that the Lord is going to come back and rule and take those who are His children with Him. And you know they can scoff all they want, but don't be one who is caught like the people in the days of Noah or the people in the days of Lot, because when our Lord comes, then that's the end. But those who are His children are going to be brought home to forever be with the Lord. We sang that song just a minute ago. What a day that'll be. When my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace, and He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank You for letting us know what's coming. Dear God, in a day when everything's going on as usual, that's when you're coming. And may we, dear God, not be so caught up with this world that we do not know that that is exactly what's going to happen. We love you, Father, and thank you for the faithful instruction you've given us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation today. Maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you want to be a part of our family here. We'd love to welcome you. Maybe you'd like to come and Confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. Everything's readiness if you'd like to. Maybe you'd like to have one of our elders pray with you. I'll be at the front and they'll be at the back. And if we can serve you in any way, if you'd like to come, do it right now. We just stand and sing our song invitation together. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come 
just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot O Lamb of God I come I come just as I am thou wilt receive will Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Amen. We're going to finish off with a new song that we learned. I wanted to tell just a tiny short story from what Dick had said. It reminded me of this, and I thought you would like it. When I was in college, I went to uh, be with a friend over spring break in Cookville, Tennessee, and we went to this old Church of Christ there, and this preacher preached, I'm not kidding, for two and a half hours, and he kept going and going, and there was a clock behind, uh, you know, the exit over there, and I looked over, and there was a little plaque under it, and it said Luke 1732. I thought, oh, I wonder what that is. So I opened up the Bible, and it said, Remember Lot's wife. Like, don't look back at the clock. 